Hello, and again, welcome to BitDepth. I'm Santiago Ramones. Across from me is... Warren Realrider. Also known as the, like, artist name. <laughs> the artist name, uh, Tick Suck. Yeah. And also under my own name, Warren Realrider. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, doing things under both. Uh, is there, like, a intentional distinction with, like, pieces that are done under Tick Suck versus your name? Uh, yeah, the, the TikTok project was started as, uh, specifically, um, noise, uh, experimental, uh, harsh noise, just, uh, that style of, of art under that name. Um, I've had been doing uh, visual art as myself, you know, leading up to that and, uh, uh, kind of, started doing sound things under my own name that didn't fit weren't totally harsh noise or weren't from that that side maybe more um low-key experimental things i guess mm -hmm. yeah uh i'll get into more of that but yeah. i guess first of all uh yeah so we talked about yeah noise and experiments what is your primary passion <laughs> Uh, my primary passion at the moment is, is my work, um, uh, my work in the sound, sound art realm, if you will, um, and performance and, uh, visual art. Um, that's kind of been what I've, uh, kind of poured myself into the last, uh, five or six years. Mm -hmm. So slowly kind of more and more, it seems like, and more things are coming along, uh, opportunities popping up and so it's kept me uh focused in that world yeah i'm noticing the difference between saying music instead of you know like you said sound art so why the distinction of sound art versus music uh, i think my own personal approach I, i'm not a trained musician and uh, have very little um, of a background in that other than basic things like, you know, trying to uh, learn guitar on my own or, um, you know, just maybe kind of jamming with friends that had instruments. And, you know, uh, I guess in a way, a lot of it was improvising. Um, so not really coming from that background um, and my background uh that I went to college for was in fine art. And I've always been, uh, an artist my whole life, as far as like visual art, sculpture, drawing, painting, those kind of things. Um, so I think I, uh, when I started doing uh, sound and more performance things, it just kind of like, to me, it was still an extension of my art practice. So, um, and I think being a fan of maybe different people that, incorporated sound in their art uh yeah it's just kind of the place i put that in or the tag i add to it sure sure then let's get into art uh, how did you first get started in that when did it first grab you um i guess being a kid um my dad was an artist and so it was always there around me growing up um at the time when I was, <clears throat> you know, born up to 
you know, five and kind of <laughs> coming into more like a, you know, just uh, uh, observing what was going on around me and being more uh, observant of that. Like he was making T-shirts, um, doing a lot of like, uh, uh, I guess it would be commercial art uh, printing. He worked in a print shop. Um, and beyond that, like just the art that was around me in people's houses, uh, a lot of Native American art uh visually like uh growing up in that culture of like <clears throat> dancing um different uh ceremonial things songs and uh so that was kind of like the introduction of being around that but and i guess as a kid um probably cartoons and comic books and and movies and that kind of thing was a big influence uh when i was a kid yeah. Then how did that develop into a intentional practice of art? Yeah. Um I think it was wanting to as a as a kid coming from that stuff like wanting to you know probably initially to be a, a comic book artist or copying things out of comic books um trying to learn to draw like that. Uh my dad uh he definitely uh, pushed me to make art when I was little, not hard, but he, you know, he would uh, make little projects for me and, and I would try to do those paintings or copy paintings that, you know, he would maybe draw out and I would, and I would fill it in with color. Um, so I think a lot of it became, and it's probably how a lot of artists start. You, you start copying something or something you like, you're trying to learn how to do that. Um so a lot of it was drawing, starting off, uh, sketchbooks, uh, just that type of thing. And uh, just as I went along, I think the talent was apparent that I had, I guess, to be able to draw, to be able to copy things. And um, so I was always kind of pushed in that direction in different ways by different people or encouraged. And uh, when I probably wasn't a big thing until I got into like high school and, uh, started to, was able to take art classes and, uh, you know, just expand and try different things and, um, had a, maybe one really encouraging art teacher. So mm -hmm. that, that, that's another thing when you hit that, that stride of somebody's there to like feed that and, uh, support you and, you know, try to push your art into other places. Yeah. And then the decision to study it, uh, you know, for school and be like actually trained, whatever that means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To go to school. Yeah. So that was like the next step. Um, you know, when it comes time to you're in high school and, and now you have to decide what you're going to do with your life. So for whatever reason. Yeah, for whatever reason. Old. Yeah. <laughs> so um, and that was mine. I was like uh, I, I went back and forth between studying paleontology and uh and and painting <laughs> so mm -hmm. when i got to school i was like you know i changed my major between those two things i think twice <laughs> and then finally uh stuck with the art thing um i think uh it was always a, a, a place of discovery to kind of uh learn things about yourself and um i think it was it eventually became a way for me to connect back to my culture in a way 
I think when I was a kid, I was always like looking outward of, you know, I want to copy, like I said, comic books, things from movies or even like album covers or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Then eventually it turned into, you know, looking back on on culture. And like I said, it was it was kind of a a discovery, a self-discovery of things that were always around me all the time. And uh, it kind of took that to... Uh, maybe break loose of those things that were a bigger influence, uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, however you look at it. So, How would you describe your style? Um, I don't know if I had, I, n- I never had like a specific style of art. I think uh, if you could look at all the pieces I did, uh, throughout everything you know i've i've always kind of tried different things different sizes different uh styles of painting um sometimes more realistic sometimes abstract um and same thing with the drawing or like sculpture you know whatever it was um when i when i got to i went to the university of oklahoma and studied painting there and um I think at that point, uh, just doing a lot of very um, symbols, uh, whether they were um, maybe symbols from culture, uh, from uh, native culture, or they might have been from uh, the culture of uh, the larger world or outside of that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, using those things as in, in compositions. Um, so it was, it was less, uh, you know, landscape or portrait. It was sure. kind of more, uh, uh, kind of composing on, on a surface, I guess, with shapes and colors, um, things like that, uh, did do some installation, uh, art things, and then did do, uh, a few kind of sound art related things early on at that time when I was still in school. Um, so I felt like school to me was a time to be, uh, very experimental, like, you know, just try, try different things, you know? Mm -hmm. What's your favorite medium to work with? Is, Is there one that you keep gravitating towards? Um, I think currently, I mean, uh, currently I don't even really do much visual art anymore. Um, other than if you want to call what the, the maybe performance aspect of what I do. Um, but I'm, that's what I'm focused on and what is really inspiring to me right now is like the sound thing and, uh, using, uh, objects, um, maybe creating certain, uh, very, uh, basic uh instruments from materials and and extracting sounds from those um recording set recording field recordings um and also uh sampling digging into things to sample so yeah so then let's get into the uh what i would call music uh but it depends who's asking Uh, (laughs) uh so how did you get into turning your art into sound art yeah um like i said there were some early pieces i did uh with i did a piece uh probably around 2000 uh which i've recently brought back a couple times uh with it that i used a turntable 
as a as a sound source. Um, I mean, I've always been a huge music fan. Um, growing up, music was like a big part of of that. That I guess I didn't talk about as much on the history side, but um, that was I think uh, having older had two older sisters that were you know heavy into their music as teenagers and I was you know I was a little kid and then my parents were into what they were into um so I think growing up and hearing a lot of different things different styles of music older brothers being into you know punk rock and Mm -hmm. metal and that kind of stuff led me down a lot of different uh paths of of things to be into uh, so when it came time for me to buy my own music and, and look for my own music, I, I just kind of like expanded from there. Um, so in the middle of doing artwork growing up, I was, you know, learning about, you know, weird metal music or, or uh, you know, trying to, you know, listening to Public Enemy or all these different things that kind of influenced uh, what I got into and what it became. Um, hip hop was a big part of that. Like I was talking about sampling and, and that's, uh, not really part of the sounds I'm making, but maybe an influence indirectly mm-hmm. with, you know, collage and, and, and things like that. Um, I think those early pieces wanting to do things with sound, but not really knowing or having somebody to show me, you know, how do you use mics or whatever? Yeah. Um, it, it all seemed very far away from and what I could do. Um, but I was like collecting things. I was uh, making loops and had ideas um, maybe to use uh, different materials uh, in installation pieces or sculptures. Um, and the, the opportunity finally kind of came and I was kind of finally, you know, pushed in that direction in a way. Um, my, uh, cousin, Nathan Young, we're about the same age and we had actually gone to, um, university of Oklahoma together. And, uh, we, we kind of grew up together, but not really that close. But when we got there, we met and, you know, kind of realized we were into a similar music tastes but different at the same time. So we kind of really bonded over that, over music and um, both kind of very moving into being into very experimental things of, of all genres. Uh, So we had that connection and then, you know, we both graduated, uh, moved on. Uh, I had a family, young family. Uh, So I, I went in that direction for a while. He went on and, uh, created his own, uh, art practice. Um, and then actually did, uh, release some music, uh, moved out of state and eventually, uh, ended up coming back to Oklahoma, uh, moving back and, um, was in Tulsa. And, uh, he was part of the Tulsa artist fellowship there and was doing work. So he started bringing, uh, the work he was doing there, and um, started having experimental shows with people he knew that he could bring in. Um, a lot of trying to bring in a local group of people doing experimental things. And so, you know, he we when he got back, we we kind of reconnected, and uh, he immediately encouraged me to to kind of like 
join into what was going on there. There was a, a sculpture show that I did a piece for uh, early on. And then um, a little bit later that summer, this was 20, I don't know, 20, no, 2016, um, they had a show and he just kind of was like, hey, you should get something together. You know, you should just, you know, buy some equipment and do something, you know, do, you know, whatever you want. It's, you can <laughs> create whatever you want. Um, and I had kind of seen what he was doing. Uh, another person was Matt Hex. Uh, he's a, um, a noise artist that is based in Stillwell, Oklahoma, that they were really close. And uh, so I'd kind of been watching what they were doing and, and seeing. And that was kind of one of my first uh, close-up experiences with equipment that they had yeah. and to see. But at the same time, they I didn't really ask a lot of questions and they didn't really tell me a lot. They were just like, go buy some gear and figure it out. Uh, so that was kind of cool to to be able to do that, to be like, okay, I'm just going to, you know, I'll figure this out. I'll I'll look online and I'll, you know, read everything I can. So it kind of became a research project in a way to start researching how do you record, how do you make sound, yeah, how do you make sound, <laughs> you know, how do you control it? Um, and it's been a, a learning process, which uh, that's kind of where I've been focused. You know, we're talking about what what am I focused on or what is inspiring me is is that is trying to learn to harness that and make it do what I want it to do, you know? So, um, that initial performance, you know, whatever it was, it wasn't that great, but, um, it worked kind of what I wanted to do. And then it just rolled from there. Um, Nathan had the space to, uh, put on shows with his projects he was doing. So, uh, and which eventually turned into Tulsa noise, uh, there. And that kind of just fed the whole thing. Um, shows kind of started happening more. Uh, he started bringing in people he wanted to have, or he could have come in to perform from other, you know, other places, or maybe they were on tour. So, uh, got put on a lot of those bills and it just kind of like the momentum just kind of kept building over those next few years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's so funny how the uh the transition sort of happens. It's like I don't know. I noticed how you had mentioned that well, like I'm not really like a trained musician or whatever, but like you start getting booked on shows and it's like you start being on stage often enough that it's like people are looking at you as a musician <laughs> yeah, yeah. and and that is like you know that's kind of for everyone right that it's like oh i don't know like i like writing music and i play some songs and stuff and then it's just like oh yeah like i want to be like you or something and it's like well no i i'm just i'm just messing around i don't know what i'm doing up here like nobody knows what they're doing up here <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah first it was that way like i said it was a it became a process of like okay, you know, I had this first thing, but now I need to learn how to um, make something that maybe that takes the influences I had and, and referencing those things and, and learning how to maybe uh, 
come up with my own style of, of composition. So it became a challenge to be like, well, what do I want to do? You know, how do I start to time things? Um, how do I, I should start thinking about some type of structure. Um, and I think that's something coming from like noise, the noise field. It's pretty diverse in that way where there are some people that their approach is like, this has no structure and this has no form or thought behind it. Even, you know, it's like some of the concepts are, there's no concept behind it other than just feedback and knob twisting or whatever it is. Um, but you, you do see other people and you're exposed to other people that are thinking about like, well, I'm trying to do this or, or I have a concept of, you know, whatever it is. Um, I think when you dig into that world, uh, whether it's noise or it is experimental um, composers, um, any of the experimental things, you know, there's a lot of different approaches to it. And um, I think you see those people that, uh, and they may not be trained either, but they are thinking about things in a compositional way or a conceptual way. Mm -hmm. You know, it can be a mix or it can be uh, divided out. Um, but also, I think coming to it from uh, the art background, mm -hmm. uh, the thing about it, when I would watch people that did experimental things or noise was uh, immediately I was like, I need to do I want to do something that's visually more interesting too. you know, uh, uh, maybe as kind of a performance as part of it, rather than just standing behind, you know, uh, a desk, which, you know, it, it can be, it can be great to do that. But for me, I was like, I want to have like a, a bring in materials or items or something that uh, maybe pushes it more towards a visual art. Yeah. Realm, yeah. You know? And that is something that, you know, it's so interesting that music and, and audio and, art sound or whatever it is like is that like you can consume it in a just audible way but whenever you go to performances and experience it live you are watching something happen and so yeah having the visual background of like there is something physically happening in front of you and that is part of the art experience yeah yeah definitely and uh, like I said I, I think uh, there was uh, research going into it where I was like okay what does this person do you know uh, the people I had seen or videos I could watch on YouTube of people performing um, the things that you know uh, always I think catching your eye is is one thing. The the volume can be another thing. It can be <laughs> over the top loud, and then the person can just stand there and do nothing, and it can still be great because it's uh, it becomes a physical thing to also, you know. Um, but uh, I think uh, just being influenced by people that kind of. <clears throat> either brought in materials or brought in uh, concepts or brought in their self to a performance, you know, threw themselves into it, uh, was a big influence on, on what I was doing or what I ended up doing where it's going. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
We've been talking very conceptually about all of these things. Let's get like, you know, very literal about these things. What do you use to make sounds and what are these sounds that you're making? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think for the performances or even anything I do, I'm always like trying something new. So um, one of the main, I guess, like instrument items that early on was a thing that um and it's de definitely a direct reference to like um noise experimental things was using contact microphones mm -hmm. and that was my first mission was to find a contact microphone which i did for the very first performance um and also to on the first performance the other direct reference to like noise harsh noise it's kind of like a thing in in a lot of those uh what a lot of people have done over time is to find a piece of metal to attach the contact microphone to um it's almost kind of cheesy you know in a way but it's still done i mean i still people see do, see people doing it all the time but it's kind of like a signifier it's kind of like if you're going to play rock, you, you have a, you know, you have to have a cool guitar. So it's like, you know, maybe that's kind of the noise equivalent is yeah. you got to have a, a mangled piece of metal with a contact <laughs> mic on it. Um, so that was, that's kind of been the main thing. So from there, the, the contact mic has kind of been used almost in everything I've done. Um, uh, attaching it to uh, symbols, attaching it to, of course, like metal. I've attached it to wood. Um, so a lot of those materials were things that uh, maybe ideas from art pieces that I had had, like, oh, you know, this would be cool. Or I, I had come up with a, a piece and but never did it. Um, so I tried to bring in in those elements to to what I was doing. Um, uh, started using very culturally, I guess, if you want to say specific references. Um, I've used several times uh, these enamelware um, cooking items that are uh, kind of widely used in like a, a lot of native. Uh, maybe ceremonies or, or, or times of, of eating, you know, food might be served in those enamelware pots. And they're like an, uh, maybe like a vintage thing. And I, th I don't know really totally what era that comes from, but it, it's something that people will get to eat, to eat food on or serve food with. Um, so using like kind of maybe very culturally specific references that maybe to someone that doesn't know, they might be like, oh, he's just got like a metal pot that he has this contact mic attached to. Um, but also, you know, using a symbol was something that um, kind of happened out of necessity, but at the same time being uh, a very, a very big fan of like uh, drummers and always secretly wanting to be a drummer myself, but I never did. But so I was like, well, I'm going to use, uh, you know, a symbol in that piece. Um, uh, one of my pieces, uh, brought in, um, turntables. Uh, there was always something I wanted to use. So I was like, well, when I get the chance, I'm going to, you know, use a turntable. Um, so kind of always searching for instruments. Um, there's also the kind of boutique, uh, noise, uh, synth and you know of course all the other synths and drum machines and, and that type of stuff 
that people use. So, you know, I've slowly collected different things to incorporate into that. Um, but also eventually also working in uh, field recordings, which was something that uh, I was always into uh, early on um, recording with uh, just a handheld tape recorder when I was younger. Um, so that kind of became a thing where like, I'm like, okay, how do people make field recordings? You know, okay, I'm going to buy, you know, whatever I can and to do that and um, start incorporating those things or using them as elements. So, yeah. Um, I want to intentionally discuss the indigenous experience part of that and, and especially in like the art world and how, I mean, the art world itself is just already like an experience and then sort of, uh, uh, having the indigenous side of that so i mean you you've sort of made reference to like the the ways in which you incorporate uh native things into your art but i guess uh i'm trying to find a way of like asking the question in a way that like gets a interesting answer but it's like uh, how important or like what are you trying to do with it what is yeah all of the ways in which that can be phrased (laughs) your indigenous experience yeah 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 um i I guess probably it comes from um i think if you grow up in those communities um it's just part of the art you make it's always going to be there um and it may be that you intentionally like choose it and that's what you really focus on, or it may, it may be being pushed upon you to, Oh, you need to paint more native subjects or whatever it is. Um, but coming from that world, my, my dad was, like I said, he was an artist. Um, he made, uh, t-shirts to sell at powwows with, you know, um, you know, funny graphics or powwow specific uh, graphics or whatever. And, um, but also coming from a tradition of, of painting and sculpture that he did. And then he actually made his living off of his artwork. Um, he became a sculptor and, uh, working with clay and, and folks, he, he always focused on, um, incorporating, uh, our background, uh, being Pawnee, like he always put that in what he did. So I think that was a huge influence and, and other people around me. I had an uncle uh, that was a, a painter and uh, that's what he did. He made uh, uh, paintings that also he was kind of a cowboy He was, or he was a cowboy. Mm-hmm. Um, so he incorporated that cowboy, you know, subject matter, but also really focused on on Pawnee subject matter. So I think growing up, that was always a thing that um most people, no matter how they started or whatever, that always comes back. It can be avoided um, of growing up within that culture. It's it's always there. It's always talked about. Um, so I think for me, I, I mean, I always incorporated it in a lot of things I did, whether it was very straightforward or maybe very abstract. Um, so when I started doing the sound things, like I said, I had a lot of ideas already kind of 
that I wanted to try and use. So, um, in those early pieces, I was using, uh, all these loops I had made of different, like, uh, powwow recordings and, and, uh, recordings from some were specific to Pawnee, but, um, but reducing them down to a very abstract level where you may or may not get that that's what that is, um, as a basic element. Uh, so I think using those things as a basis, uh, as a jumping off point, uh, to reference bigger things. Um, I would think, I would think it would be like modern, uh, existence and, uh, maybe just, uh, asserting that as a way of sovereignty, as a way of like being like, well, this is, this is who we are, you know, and, uh, keeping certain ideas alive or, or moving, um, moving forward, uh, referencing, like I said, very culturally specific things. Um, and eventually it turned into bringing back in uh, language things as titles of pieces or um, over the last year. Uh, I mean, I, I've always known some Pawnee language things, but um, never, and, and there have been language classes or people teaching it. And I've never really had the opportunity to do it until COVID when they finally put the classes online. So we were doing Zoom. So I finally got, was able to take those classes and, and dive deeper into the language and um, start to really understand it from, uh, uh, there, there were a couple of young linguists uh, that are Pawnee that uh, they started breaking language down into what the, the pieces of the language mean. And it starts to make more sense then of like, instead of like somebody just telling you words that don't really, they've been removed from that context by, you know, uh, colonization, whatever you want to call those things like boarding schools, whatever. And also Eng English language replacing that language. So sometimes you hear words and you just know what it means, but you don't, know it in a bigger context of a language, but kind of learning that and learning uh, different words and trying to incorporate that into what I do um, is something I've tried to do too. So I, I kind of see it as like moving in the direction that probably a lot of people do as they're working through things um, uh, to try to be more uh, uh, Pawnee or whatever it is, you know, whatever your your background may be. Um, but for me, that's what it was, was to do that. Um, and then, uh, I guess moving on to the, uh, bringing in, uh, bigger ideas, like the pieces I have done with, uh, the rivers or, uh, pieces I've done with like maps of like, uh, reflecting on the history of Oklahoma, the history of, of water and, and the, the problems of, uh, you know, society's uh impact on on water and and that that kind of uh world uh, the natural world the the negative impact on on those spaces and uh but also kind of reconnecting with those things it's always been something i've been into um being around rivers being you know in those spaces so 
um, I've always done that. So it's kind of like through my practice, I just started bringing things like that into it too. Um, natural materials, uh, different things, recordings from those places. So, yeah. Yeah. There's definitely so much more to explore <laughs> in all of these things. Yeah, um, but, uh, I have a list of questions. And so, uh, <laughs> uh, but I guess last thing before I get to the, the deep questions that yes. are specific to this podcast, uh, what advice do you have for people that are wanting to do sound art like you do? Um, I would say just, uh, do some research, um, if you're wanting to do that, I feel like you're obviously um, have some knowledge of uh, things that have been done with sound. Um, but I would say, you know, if you're trying to come from a very academic background, you know, there's a lot of things to, to look at there, things to read, to research. Um, if you're coming from, if you're wanting to do just harsh noise with, you know, you know, some absurd subject matter, you know, that there's a history there too. So, um, you know, do the research and, uh, read about those people. And, um, a lot of the equipment things can be figured out. And, uh, but I think, uh, also taking opportunities that come to you, you know, it's, that's always a big part of it is finding a place to do it or people that want to support it. So sometimes you get lucky and it, it just happens, but uh, sometimes you have to go out and find it, you know, or make it happen. You know, you have to, uh, just, uh, you know, no matter how low fi it is, it can be super low fi. That's, that's the main thing I think is maybe people, I think that's something that I never realized for a long time is like, you know, well, I could just go do it through a boom box out on some street if I wanted to, you know, um, and, and to not be, I think one thing is maybe just to, if you're going to perform or present what you do is to let go of the fear of, you know, what people are going to think too, is to, uh, just, uh, try to overcome that and, um, not get caught up in worrying about that, you know, if you truly want to do something and have a, a vision or an idea to put out. Yeah. Getting into the deep questions that make bit depth, bit depth. What is the role of spirituality or religion in your life? Uh, the role of that is uh, something that um, it's like a daily thing, really. Um, I think when I was younger, uh, like I said, the Pawnee side has always been there, um, in different ways. And I don't know that it was, uh, so much pushed on me other than maybe, you know, you just hear people talk about, uh, what that those beliefs are or beliefs in a uh, creator or uh, beliefs in um, or you hear stories about uh, maybe elements of Pawnee religion or if you want to call it that that may have been lost um, in the past you know stories about uh, what that was um, 
But of course, growing up in Oklahoma and and growing up on you know in Pawnee, Oklahoma, uh, I I would say a lot of people there are you know, of some uh, Christian background. So growing up, you know, uh, both grandparents were of those backgrounds of Baptist. And uh, so that was always something that was around and you learned as a kid. So that was kind of like, I guess, as a kid, my belief system in a way, but it was never something that I truly, I guess, believed in or you know, I was always questioning that, but there was no other alternative, really. But like I said, all the Pawnee things were around me, but um, I don't think as a kid I really got that, that um, that could still be a belief system. You know, I think it was coming out of a time of of people being very... Um, coming through the times where, you know, maybe psychologically being very uh, disheartened or, or rough times of like, what do we believe in? You know, all these, all these uh, religious things have been lost. You know, a lot of our beliefs have been lost. Um, so, you know, people turn to, you know, Christianity and, and different forms of that to uh, fill that void. So, like I said, it was, it was big. Um but one thing about it was my parents never like really, they never pushed that on me, you know, they, and they, but they went to church at different times or, you know, different things, but they never really pushed that. So to me, it was, it, it kind of, that meant something. Cause I was just like, well, other people are really pushing that, but they're not on me. Um, and I was saying earlier, I think, uh, through my art and like, uh, looking, I think as I got in my, you know, twenties, reflecting back on, uh, growing up and the stories I'd heard, but also, you know, I felt like there was sort of, uh, there's kind of been a long awakening of people, um, in Pawnee, uh, from Pawnee culture to, uh, really uh maybe meditate and and focus back on on those beliefs and what what was still there because there were things i think that's the thing is maybe it wasn't talked about or maybe it had been suppressed but it did survive um so i, I kind of took that and uh through my art uh worked through some different subject matters um that were very pawnee uh, maybe from stories, uh, uh, creation stories that still existed. And uh, focusing back, for me, it was eventually to find the word that was the Pawnee word for uh, the the English translation, I guess people would say, it was like, oh, this is, or they would say, this is what Pawnees call God. Sure. But the word... Uh, translated was uh, the universe mm -hmm. so i took that word as like well this is where every all that art was was moving towards um real quick what is the word uh tita waha is is the word and uh that that's like the, the the rough english translation i guess would be uh the universe or everything uh, so that, and that was, and that was what the, you know, the, the supreme being or supreme, I don't even want to call it a being, but, um, I think that concept was something that 
I really uh, did a lot of self focusing on internal, like, what does that mean to me? Um, so I think I just incorporated that concept into my life in a way was, uh, that there is that, <clears throat> everything, uh, it's not like one specific place, uh, whether huge or, or, or small, you know, it's everywhere all at once. Um, so that was kind of became my, uh, belief, uh, in that word. And, uh, but it's still ongoing kind of, uh, listening to people, uh, just trying to gather as much, uh, information, I guess. Um, so that was, that became kind of my spirituality, I guess. And, uh, I, at that point I had long, uh, you know, back in my teens probably decided like, okay, I'm not, I'm not like a Christian. I'm not mm -hmm. Baptist. I don't believe in any of that stuff. So that, that had kind of left me, uh, you know, five or six years before that, totally. I was just like, you know, that's not, that's not where, where my beliefs uh, lie at. So I think for a while I was kind of like lost in a way without like, uh, looking for that, I guess, you know, and, uh, finding it in, I think I found it through my art, through the painting and, and the things I discovered through that. Uh, almost to a point where I think at some point when I kind of stopped painting, I felt like I had like turned a corner of like, okay, uh, that helped me find this thing and, and brought me some peace and I can, you know, I don't know. I just didn't feel like I needed to paint anymore. So I did, I did paint some, but you know, it wasn't like, like you didn't need to search for it anymore. Yeah. The something. search was kind of over yeah, with. Yeah. 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 So it was like. Uh, doing other uh, research and things. I mean, I was still connected to the art world and doing things here and there. Um, like I said, still like having ideas of, of pieces, but they were kind of more in the conceptual kind of uh, maybe uh, installation site specific, maybe even land art things. Um, so those ideas were, were still bouncing around. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What is your definition of God? And I know that we just like talked about yeah, the like yeah. difficulty of yeah. describing that. But yeah, I guess going into, especially since you had mentioned how even just like the fragments of language that like the deeper things that make up <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, and how that yeah. word itself <laughs> is like a thing. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I think it's, um, definitely something that, uh, people kind of struggle with that concept or, or you come up with your own concept of what it is. Um, I still think people, they may say they have a definite, but I feel like a lot of you, you're always kind of questioning that because, um, it's never, I don't know, I guess if you're thinking it's some person sitting out there somewhere, but you're not, you don't see that person, um, but you form your own connection to it. Um, so I don't know that my concept of that word is, uh, I don't have a concept of with that word, I guess, like I said, the, the word, the Pawnee word for the universe, for everything kind of became the concept that, where it wasn't like a person per se, you know, it was more of like, uh, 
the it was the universe it was everything it was uh like i said I, to me it became uh not just universe in in terms of like space or you know that bigger thing but it became um everything down to the smallest uh, i also come to this from like a, a nerdy science background so it's like it's it goes down to the atomic level too you know the more things we discover i i feel like that science tries to discover the more questions uh, are there and uh i think it's uh probably if you want to talk about it as the universe then it's like a, a connectedness to other people to places you know if you start to think about your connection to through breathing to uh trees or, or plants you know you have a connection there um your connection to your the water you drink that makes up your body and, and all those things you know there's uh, if you start looking at all those connections, I mean, it's, there's a lot of deep uh, connections there that uh, to me define that, uh, that universe. And, um, and I think that's the thing with a lot of the uh, different Pawnee stories uh, or even uh, I'm also Crow, but uh, learning some of those stories to um, the connected, being connected to uh you know, uh, stars or things like that, like having a very close connection, that, um, you know, knowing that that's where we're at too. It's not like we're not in the, <laughs> we're not in a, a system or a, close to a star, you know, we're, we're right there with it and we're, you know, so all those things are really close to us. I feel like, so, uh, like I said, the connections are deep and they go far. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what is free will? Free will. <laughs> <laughs> um I uh, I don't know. Uh I guess free will would be uh, something very uh internal with people um and uh Obviously, the other word with that would be uh, the choosing or having a choice as to what you do. Um, I think the word free will is uh, for me, you know, it comes with a lot of responsibility because, you know, you you think about what you do and how it affects um, the things around you, the people around you. Um, very immediately or very slowly, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely something that, um, I think maybe as you get older, you maybe that becomes more of a thing, you know, for most people, maybe not everybody, but, um, but yeah, I think it's, it, that's it. It's, it's all about the, uh, the choice and the ability to choose, you know, the ability to, um, think about consequences or to not think about consequences, you know, free will could be that, you know, it could be doing things on an impulse or, uh, um, and not even really looking back at all, you know? So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do you think happens when we die? Hmm. Uh, 
I kind of thought about that, that question. Um, I honestly don't know what, what happens. Um, You can hear, and I, I feel like that's something with, uh, where I come from with what Pawnee people say, you know, you, you, you cross over to where your, where your relatives have gone before you, but it's never specified as like, you know, what is that, you know, what is that place, you know? Um, like I said, I I don't, I don't, I, I truly don't know, but, um, I think as far as like an, an afterlife kind of thing, um, to me, I, uh, having uh, kids of my own, but also it, it, it doesn't have to be through children. It can be through the, the human family you're part of, um, you, part of you does live on, you know, through that, you know, it's like, um, you, but directly through kids, you know, you are going to pass something on if you want to look that's how I look at it is like, well, you know, that's, that's part of a, uh, not that I'm living through them or anything, but, um, and to me, it's also something that goes, it doesn't go just forward in an afterlife. It's a before life thing too. It's like, um, you have people that came before you and, um, you're just in that, you're in that timeline of, of that existence. Um, so, I mean, if you want to look at it that way, it's like, yeah, you, there's something that you're also part of the past. You're also part of that, your ancestors, and you're part of a future, a future thing, a future life. You know, you're part of that. Um, like I said, it doesn't even have to be through children. It can be through your influence on somebody or the legacy you leave, whatever it is. Um the the people that knew you you know I, I feel like parts of you uh live on through that in a way you know it's 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 something um maybe like reverberations um so i don't know i i, I kind of don't know that when you die that even if you believe you're going on to another place that you're, you completely leave, you would completely leave here right away. Anyways, you know, you're still part of something, um, bigger than yourself. Yeah, absolutely. How do you determine what good behavior is? Hmm. Uh, I think that is, uh, something that you, Again, you probably learned that from your your parents, your ancestors. Um, probably those are the first things. The people you're close to, the people that raised you, they may not be your parents. They may be other people. But you you learn from them what is good behavior. And, yeah, maybe that might not be the right thing sometimes. But um, I think we all come from a place where you're, you're maybe a community has certain, um, beliefs or morals and you, you learn from that. What's, what's right, what's wrong. And, you know, I feel like nowadays it's, it's complicated by, um, social media news and all of that stuff. It, it can be very, uh, it's a lot of information, I guess, to try to be like, what's good and what's bad, you know? Um, 
but I think that's the immediate thing is, is the, the people that raised you are going to kind of instill those things in you. Um, and you may not even realize it until <clears throat> later what it is. Yeah. yeah. How do we reduce the division between people? Um, I think through, uh, I think education is a huge part of that. Um, people have to know, uh, where if you, if you have two divided groups of people, I mean, there, there's obviously a reason why, um, but to know where those people are coming from, um, I think division probably comes a lot from, like I said, not having the knowledge, but having like a, a, a disinformation, um, that's spread about people. Cause somebody's like, or something is driving that, uh, division. Um, but yeah, I think like education is, is the main thing and learning about people's cultures, beliefs, backgrounds, you know, to, um, at least, you know, make the divide less <laughs> deep, you know, I don't know if you can totally, um, uh, bridge some divides totally, you know, you may bring things close or right up next to each other, but, um, you know, sometimes maybe people aren't going to ever get along. Um, but it's, it, it's a good goal to have is to like, how do you, um, how do you do that? How do you make people understand each other? Yeah. Do you believe humans are evil by nature? Uh, I don't believe people are, are evil by nature. Um, that it's, that it's just, a uh, uh, or evil as like a, uh, I don't believe in, I guess, evil as that kind of like Christian concept, <laughs> you know, yeah. of that, that, that side of it. Um, I think the, there's just a positive and negative in, in everybody. Um, there's positive and negative ways of being, of acting, of treating, of how you react. Um, I think it just is, uh, comes from your surroundings, how you were raised or not raised, you know, those things can, um, I think it can definitely feed, uh, negativity <clears throat> and, um, you know, I don't know where the negativity, it, I think it just grows through different things. It's like I said, it's, it's, and what is negativity? I guess it's, it, it, it kind of, um, it can start like small things that really aren't, can't be seen as evil, but they snowball maybe into that one person that truly seems evil or does something that you could call that's an evil thing. Um, but I don't think it's like, predestined um in a sense but uh also at some point there's no turning back i feel like for some bad things to happen you know and, and unfortunately they do but um but no i don't think it's a, a given yeah what do you think humanity is heading towards in the future oh uh <laughs> <laughs> I hope uh, a better place, but uh, a lot of times it doesn't look like we're heading for a, a better place. Um, I think in some ways, you know, uh, things 
it, it kind of seems like through my lifetime, maybe an ebb and flow of like things, certain things getting better. And then, you know, maybe something, um, comes back in or, uh, a bad way of thinking or a bad, uh, um, type of government or a bad type of leadership, you know, um, there's a, a lot of like, uh, I guess the power structures and, um, resource, <laughs> resource, uh, needs and extractions define a lot of that. Um, I just hope we can get to a place of, of a better balance to not destroy the earth and not, I'm not that we're going to destroy the earth. It'll destroy us, but, um, <laughs> of not reaching that point of like, well, we've, uh, destroyed our environment on earth and everything, you know, other, other things, environment too. Um, I don't know where it's heading. I, I, I feel like, to me, it's kind of unknown because of how the current state of the world is. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of good people doing, you know, fighting for good that are standing up for different things. Uh, but there's a lot of work to do too. You know, if you're, you're fighting against corporations that really don't care about, they don't care about people or, or you know, uh, preserving things or, or sustainability. Um, they're all they're worried about is, is money and, and those type of things. Um, so it's a big fight if you're going to try to fight back and try to make a balance of, of how do we exist. Um, I think ultimately we'll hit a point where uh, the current uh, life we're used to will change in a big way and you know, I, I just feel like that's always going to come along in, 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 in the world. So it's like, what does it change to? Does it turn worse or, or is it some big technological leap that <laughs> makes things way better, you know, and, and that we, uh, come up with some miracle technology that, um, changes the way we, uh, exist here. Yeah. I don't know. Or rediscover uh, something that we already have. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's always that. <laughs> what are you optimistic about for our future? Um, I think uh, overall, I mean, I, I, I see when I see the uh, people being, you know, learning more in an educational sense, um, and it can be in, you know, higher academics or it could be culturally, you know, I feel like there's a lot you can do to, to learn about yourself. And, uh, now we're talking about bridging a divide, you know, it's like, uh, that makes me optimistic when I see those kind of things happening. Uh, but it's, I think it's work that has to continue all the time. It's like, there's always something, divisive out there and it can, uh, people can be divided, um, at any moment. So I think it's something, it's like something you have to find something that sustains itself, but it, it, it has to be taught to the next generation. I feel like, and it, like I said, that's what, where education kind of comes in as you teach them, like, you know, 
look at look at this you know there was this problem we fixed and you know this is how you keep fixing it you know that's yeah. i think that's the thing is sometimes people think oh we've reached this point uh of solving this issue um but and you can get complacent complacent and then all of a sudden it's something like here in oklahoma where you know you know now uh, a law has been enacted all of a sudden and, and you it caught you off guard that things are reverting back to what you thought it was you know we had passed that point of of solving something or bringing some type of equality for people and now all of a sudden it's it's looks like it's turning back some other direction um so like i said i think it's an ongoing thing and that's uh and i think the optimism is that i think there'll always be people that will will fight for um things that are right or things that are uh fight injustices you know there's always going to be somebody fighting that and i think that's one of the things that makes me the most optimistic yeah so. what makes you content uh i think uh contentment kind of comes and goes i would i wouldn't say that there's like an ultimate contentment but uh oh man yeah i think uh right now one of the things that makes me very content is uh is doing my work and being able to uh present that and have that sense of purpose of like, Oh, I have, I have this thing coming up or I have this thing to complete. And, uh, you reach that contentment when, when the, the project's complete or, or the performance is over, but then also feel like it's immediately like it's over and then you're on to something else. And, uh, so I think contentment, uh, is kind of like an everyday thing through little, little things or big, or big things that you're working on or life things, goals, achievements. Um, so you get that sense of contentment, but also feel like, um, the world's always moving. Um, and, uh, there's always something that will mess with your contentment. So, you know, you always got to keep working to, to get to that place. Yeah. So. Yeah. When will you be satisfied? Hmm. I don't know that, uh, yeah, it's kind of the similar thing is like, I don't, I don't know that I will ever truly be like, um, satisfied. Cause I think I, I, I guess I'm, I try to be like a realist in that way where I'm like, you know, things are, you know, you've always got to keep working at things, you know, you've always got to keep, uh, learning things. Um, and, uh, no matter where you're at and what you're doing, you know, you, you shouldn't have that complacency that you're, you know, it all, you know, that uh, I'm done or, or this is the ultimate thing. Um, yeah. I just feel like people should always like keep working, you know, whether you're, you, maybe you're done with that project or maybe you don't want to play drums anymore. <laughs> so you move on, but it's like, okay, what else is there to do now? I mean, there's always something to learn. There's always something to, there's a lot of directions to go. So, yeah. yeah. I have two more questions for you. Okay. What advice do you have for people in general? 
Um, I would say, uh, to keep on moving, um, in a, in a, I say in a mental sense and a physical sense, you know, it's something that you, you should always do, um, to, to maintain your, uh, maintain your health. You know, it's something that, um, I think when you're younger, you don't think about those things, but, but some people do, but I feel like that's very important to whatever it is, you know, if it's, uh, walking around the block or whatever, or, you know, doing a marathon or whatever, but having something to keep you moving. Cause I think that feeds into, um, just feeling better, it, you know, um, mentally, I feel like it, it, keeps you, uh, mentally fit too. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that's one thing is, uh, just to keep, keep on moving and, uh, maintain your health. It's important. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Lastly, potentially most importantly, cake or pie? Uh, I'd have to go with pie personally. What's the, the pie that comes to mind whenever you the pie, my favorite pie that uh, always comes to mind is pecan pie. So that's that's my go-to if I'm going to choose a pie. Awesome. <laughs> Warren, thank you so much for doing this with me. All right, definitely. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, where can people find you and your things and, and check out? Uh, I am on Instagram um, as uh, Sound is what that is under, uh, from Instagram. I do have a link tree. I can't think of what, what it is. It is under tick suck. Um, and that has, um, uh, videos, uh, band camp links, SoundCloud links, um, various other things. Um, but definitely the Instagram is where I keep updated the most, uh, sharing what's going on or, even just pictures or artwork, other things. But yeah, those are the main, the main two places. Sweet. Uh, yeah, I was very excited for this and I'm excited to continue this conversation anyways. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much. I'm Santiago Ramones. Warren Real Rider. What, uh, is there like a thing that you want to have play at the end of this? I don't know if you have like a SoundCloud recording or a Bandcamp thing that can go at the end of this. Um, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll find something and let you know what it is, but <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll pick something out to play. All right.
You can find everything that I do on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. I make music and produce audio. The music you're hearing now is music I made. You can listen to official releases by Santiago Ramones on Spotify, Apple Music, and the other streaming places. Or you can support me directly by buying my music on Bandcamp. I'm working on Hypothetical, my first singer-songwriter album. So if you'd like to hear that at some point, there are lots of ways to support me on my website. There's a Discord server in which we discuss deep topics from the podcast, but it's also a community of beautiful human beings. All the links to all my things are on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. Please take a moment to rate and review the podcast. It would mean a lot to me to hear what you have to say, and it lets others know what to expect better than I could ever explain. I want to help the world have deeper conversations. So thank you for listening to and supporting BitDepth. Uh, I was in the podcast with my three things. They shape my life philosophy. Those three things are love never fails. It's going to be okay. I might be wrong.